0: This morning as we continue to preach verse by verse through the bible i in mean, 1 corinthians chapter 2 and we're on verse 12. i know we're going rather slowly and the material here has been considered through the century some of the more difficult in the new testament and the reason i'm going slowly is i think that Misinterpreting difficult passages like this often leads to confusion or an opportunity to misstate things and create the opposite of what Paul's teaching. So what we have here is 1 Corinthians 12. I'll read verse 12, and then uh, we can leave that slide up there of the overview, and I'll go to that. 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have received not... The spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, in order that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Now, on the overview, as we look at this, if you were here when I last, back up one slide again, please. Um, notice here it says, the things of a man. Who knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? If you were here when I preached on that remember we tend to make it more complicated than it is so the illustration I gave was if you go to the store and they have anything and everything for sale like in the good old days when things were actually on the shelves and no one asks you and you don't tell anybody the only way anyone could know why you're there and what you want is if you say so it's not Super complicated. Now, what Paul's point was, and is, mentioned this, is that what we know about God is known because he has revealed it, because he has spoken, and he has spoken through his son. And look at Hebrews 1 1 through 3, and so forth. God has spoken. So we know the things of God because he's spoken, and we know them through his spirit. I pointed out the things, the things, the things three times here are continuing that theme. But what are these things that we know we have from God? The claim that I made was that these are the things that we have through Christ crucified. It's not a secret that some higher order Christians know and ordinary Christians do not, but these are the things God has. Given us. Now today, as we focus on verse 12, we're really wanting to look at the little phrase, there are the things freely given. turns out that that's something very, very important. So let's look at the overview of some questions we've already asked and answered now as we go to the next slide. What is the true wisdom Paul speaks? And of course, the other apostles. The answer we've already seen Christ crucified. None of those of us who grew up in Christendom and have heard about church and crosses and buildings and various things, it doesn't seem so startling that Christ crucified because that's what we heard. But Christ crucified is just offensive to most people in churches as it is to the world because they've redefined who Jesus is, redefined the church, redefined how we hear God, and so on. And so, as we've seen earlier, Christ crucified offends Jews and Gentiles. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. That's offensive. That God is going to bring salvation through a Jewish Messiah offends the Romans, the Greeks, the entire Gentile world. But we preach this, Paul says, because it is God's wisdom. So what is the true wisdom? Christ crucified. Who are the mature? Christians. Now, that may seem to be obvious, but it isn't to many people. Because what it means to be a Christian is also compromised by false definitions. Only those who are born of God are born of the Spirit appreciate the significance of Christ crucified. So that's why we don't want to divide the church into those who are mature or those who are immature. The church consists of those who are born of the Spirit and are no God. There are different degrees of maturity and gifts and so on. I mentioned that the last time I preached, but we can't judge that before the time. As we go through Corinthians... 1 Corinthians, pay attention to the theme. Remember what the problem was? Some are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus. I'm of Peter, I'm of Christ, and so on. And various people with gifts are saying, I have no need of you, 1 Corinthians 12. What we know is that those who are born of God and know Christ are his, that we are safe, and that he's going to bring us to himself. What are the depths of God? I preached on that last. God's provisions and promises in Christ. Those are for all who are born of God and know God. Now, who knows the things of God and how? All Christians and through the Spirit. Again, stay with us and follow the long. Through the Spirit doesn't mean some people are more mystical than others. Some people are better being tuned in to inner voices. It's what's revealed by God through his apostles and prophets, the foundation of which has Christ as the cornerstone, his apostles and prophets were built, being built upon it. Let's do a little review. I'll read to you as we're on a slide, 1 Corinthians 2, 6, and 7. If you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians 2, 6, and 7. The theme goes right through this whole section. Paul said this, Now we do speak wisdom among the mature, but wisdom not of this age or of the rulers of this age who are perishing. Verse 7, On the contrary, we speak God's wisdom, God's hidden wisdom, in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. Now some get a hold of that and say, oh, it's hidden, it's a secret, it's a mystery, so only the initiates, the only the very elite ones know what it is, but that's incorrect. I, I preached that sermon on October 17th, 2021. You can look it up on the ggf.church website. Here are some points, uh, uh, citing from the notes. If we demand glory and honor now, we will end up loving this present evil age and look for the praise of men if we do truly believe the promises of god through the gospel we have eternal hope citizenship in heaven and future glory eternal hope citizenship in heaven and future glory the age that we're in is characterized as temporary and evil, the God of this world, is deceiving people in this present evil age. So the contrast. One more statement: the contrast in this section of Scripture, which is six of uh, one Corinthians two six through eleven, is between the message of Christ crucified and the wisdom of this age, which the fallen world embraces but leads to destruction. This is not about elite Christians who are more pious, advanced, gifted, intuitive, important, or anything else. It's about knowing Christ. And I shared my testimony of being deceived by wanting to be an elite Christian and wanting to have some higher order experience and that led to some very bad places. And so it's not a failure to say, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. It's not a failure to say, but by the grace of God, I wouldn't even want to hear these things. I wouldn't want anything to do with it. So let's go on now to this another overview. This will, will be quick with. This is talking about the topic of Christ crucified. Remember Paul said, is Christ divided? Rhetorical question, implied answer, of course not. So if you're a Christian, when I was a new Christian, they used to say, either you're a saint or you ain't. I can understand that, I grew up on a farm, either you're a saint or you ain't. What's that mean? Saints aren't some higher order Christians who did more miracles than some ecclesiastical authority said, oh, there is a saint. The saints are those who know Christ, sanctified ones. So here's Christ crucified, the word of the cross, 118, from uh, 1 Corinthians. The message preached, it's about Christ crucified. Christ crucified is the power of God, the wisdom of God. Explicitly in two two. Jesus Christ crucified. That was the message. God's wisdom in a mystery. Two seven through eight. What God has prepared for believers. Two nine. The depths of God. The last sermon. Two ten. Today, things freely given. And what we'll see is freely given, takes the word grace, turns it into a verb, and applies it to believers. Let's go to that verse. I'm going to do the first half first, 1 Corinthians 2 12a, and then we'll do the second half. Notice I have we in red. Take a look at that. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Therefore we have here a contrast between what God has done for those who have trusted Christ alone, who've embraced the message of Christ crucified, and thus have suffered the shame and scorn and hatred of the world that hates God. And that's what gives us our status as the people of God. We you wouldn't think that would be controversial, but it definitely is. Who's "we" here? I'm going to say, state a cite, <coughs> cite a statement. I'm gonna get this right that I wrote in my notes. <laughs> "We" is emphatic and must be defined in context as all Christians. The spirit of the world—the word here is cosmos in this context, is antithetical to the gospel. At issue in this epistle is the problem of schisms and false claims of superior piety. Keep in mind, in fact, as you read the Bible, make sure you spend time in 1 Corinthians and look at the bigger context. Later, when we're discussing who's the gifted one, Paul warns, should one part of the body see to the other, I don't need you. Remember, we, we saw a passage, don't go on passing judgment before the time, wait until the Lord comes. We don't know who's doing better or worse. We can see fruits, but God isn't through with us. Let me cite one of my sources. Dr. Gardner says this, Paul continues building his argument that there are two classes of people who must be distinguished: those following the spirit of the world, and those who receive the spirit of God. That's the two groups: the lost, the saved, the redeemed, and the people who don't want anything to do with serving God on His terms. Let me continue. I'm, I'm sparing you from the Greek part of it and just citing the English here. God is is the one from whom the Spirit comes. This is a primary focus, as Dr. Gardner, of the differentiation. What spirit does a person have? The differentiation is neither to be based on social status nor on wisdom. The world counts as valuable. It is not to be based on who has received gifts from the Spirit... Such as knowledge or word. All Christians are the mature and those who love God and must therefore be those who have received the Spirit of God. And that's from the commentary, this rather recent Gordon Fee's commentary is what helped me get out of the pietism. That was in the mid 80s. And now that reading is so clear that a number of people more lately, are commenting on this. Here's the point. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've turned from the world and believed the gospel, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, if you're born of God, you have the Spirit, and these things will cause you to rejoice in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you're looking for wisdom from the world, status from the world, praise from the world in its alienation and rebellion against God, then you are of the spirit of the world. That's the two sources. The contrast shows that the world in this passage is the fallen world system. Let's go to the second part of the verse. 1 Corinthians to twelve B. In order that we may know the things freely given to us by God. How do we know these things? Do we have to prove ourselves? Try to be more pious. There are so many errors in church history, and believe me, I I love studying church history. Whenever. I've gotten formal education, both in Bible college and in seminary. I've taken as many church history courses as I can. But the interesting thing about it is that you're mostly studying, not always, mostly studying how things got off track. And the conclusion is obvious. The scripture alone is the word of God. And the solas are from the scripture, not just from the Reformation. They're true, they're from Christ. Christ alone, grace alone, scripture alone, by faith alone, to the glory of God alone. Those are the five solas, not necessarily in the right order. I believe that that will help us understand this. Look at freely given. I've transliterated the root of that for you. Charizomai. Charizomai. What that means is the word charis, grace, is made into a verb and can be translated having graced. This is also found elsewhere in the New Testament. Not super common, but very significant. So those who are born of God and know Him and trusted in Christ have the Spirit. Therefore, they don't know some secret in the sense that you have to go to India or Tibet or somewhere and spend 10 years under a guru and learn how to get in touch with your true self. I'll tell you right now, the true self is lost and damned. These, freely, these things that are freely given are through Christ crucified, which is an objective historical truth it happened in time and space in places that we can still visit today and we're asking you to believe the truth freely given means having graced the things graced to those who receive the spirit are revealed and I say here not divined I was looking for the right word so I looked that up divined i've heard it before is simply a verb is based on gained from divination too many people in various versions of what's called christianity have faith based on divination rather than what god has revealed in christ you don't have to learn how to do divination To be a Christian you need to believe what God said objectively and it's really sad when mysticism is paraded around as if it were a deeper version of Christianity I'll show you as we go forward here that how we know whether we're hearing the spirit of the world the evil one or the Spirit of God is by objectively paying attention to what's preached does the spirit of the world point people to redemption through Christ no so i'll cite this again this time from dr fee the v- verb paul uses here he says charizomai seems to be a deliberate allusion to the grace of God, or the gift, charisma, of salvation, as in Romans 6.23. He continues, it appears here in the neuter plural, what things, remember? We've been underlining that, what things have been freely bestowed. Because it is reflecting uh, the preceding neuter plurals. I showed you that. The things. Don't get lost in the nerd talk here. The things. Ta. What things? The things God revealed. Therefore, this language seems determinative that Paul, in talking about God's wisdom in this passage, is referring to salvation through the crucified one. And God's people are to understand that Says Fee, precisely because they have received the Spirit. Let me give you a short version. If we accurately and boldly and clearly preach the doctrine of Christ, salvation by grace through faith, the work of God, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the return of Christ, our eternal hope, and we don't preach the temporal, how to have a better life now, how to be more popular, how to be somebody significant in this fallen world. God will use that to save those who believe. He will change us. He will grow, will learn, will be sanctified. And you know what's really great? And I've changed what I intended to put in the applications because... Well, here's what we need to know. Jesus Christ, at the right hand of God, intercedes for us, his people. So many people are afraid that they're lost and it's hopeless. uh, So many emails come from people that that read uh, critical issues commentary that this April will be 30 years of publishing that. They think they're lost, things are so bad. But, dear ones, do you believe that if you know Christ, he is indeed praying for you? We'll show you that. Romans 6.23 was mentioned here. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, using the same word, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the free gift? Charisma. Charisma. Sometimes it's used in a secular sense. If someone is on TV and everybody wants to watch whoever it is, they say that person has charisma. And that may be true in a secular sense, but a lot of false prophets have charisma. A lot of cult leaders have charisma. Actors, actresses, Politicians, not so much lately. But charisma won't save anybody. But the free gift of God through Jesus Christ, who was hated, scorned, ridiculed, and rejected, that free gift will save you from sin and bring eternal life. I say that with certainty, because God cannot lie. And that's what he said. Freely given translates chrysomai, it's a participle, having graced. In order that we may know things, he has graced to those who have the Spirit. The things graced to those who receive the Spirit are revealed, not conjured up. You don't get it through the medicine man, you don't get it through uh, contemplating. Your inner self they're given as a gift I'll cover the earlier part but at the beginning later but at the beginning of first Corinthians Paul uses this term cars grace in several different ways grace and peace to you and it talks about the gift of God charisma and we'll go through that more now let's go to the implications and applications Three here, the spirit of the world is opposed to Christ and those who know him. Two, the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ and convicts the world of sin. Three, the work of salvation, sanctification, and glorification is grace from start to finish. You don't earn grace. It's a gift. Charis, charisma, charizmumai. They're all roots of the same word. What has God graced to you today? Have you turned to Christ, the Creator, the second person of the Trinity, who created the entire universe, who came into our world, born of a virgin? fully human, fully God, the sinless one, the one who predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection and accomplished it, who bodily ascended to heaven in front of witnesses. He appeared to many witnesses. And he's coming again. It's all in the Bible. Have you trusted him? The world is under darkness and sin. The entire world system in its rebellion against God is characterized by darkness that comes from the evil one. But those who are his have life and light. Today, repent from serving Satan, self, the world, and anything else. Turn to Christ. Believe in him. Trust him alone. And believe the promises of God of eternal life. Come and turn to Christ, and you will be saved. Now let's talk about this spirit of the world. 1 John 4, 4 and 5. There's a lot of different versions of the spirit of the world, but it's all opposed to God. Some people told me this when I was a new Christian. They were right. Satan is very open-minded as long as you end up in hell with him. There's a lot of ways we can be of the world some cases it's open rebellion some cases it's just saying I'll, I'll do whatever I want I mentioned some before I heard people say whoever dies with the most toys wins but what did Jesus say whoever What does the profit anyone to gain the whole world that's the most toys Usually it's young people who say that, by the way. And uh, when you get older, the toys don't do you any good. But actually, we don't want the whole world. We want the gift of God, eternal life. Look at the spirit of the world as revealed in 1 John. In fact, turn there because I'm going to read 1 John 4, 2, and 3 to, to lay this out so we get the point. 1 John 4, 2, and 3. And then uh, 4 and 5 and part of 6 are on the screen here. By this you know the Spirit of God. Verse 2. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you will have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. That's through verse 3. Then verse 4. You are from God little children. Excuse me. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. By this we know, i got these ellipses because of a lot of space, but by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I mentioned this before. The issue isn't about what God has done, can do, but how we know the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of the world. This is about discernment. I remember when I began to first teach through John and First John and Romans and elsewhere back in the '80s and '90s. Some people say, "Well, you're trying to limit God." No, God is giving us promises to keep us from deception. The issue isn't limiting God. Because some said, well, we want more miracles and power and trips to heaven. And I read some of that to you last time. No, how do we avoid being deceived? Well, look at what it says here. This is how we know. This, by this we know the spirit of truth. How? Because of the confession that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And so the correct doctrine of Christ, that isn't limiting just the doctrine of the incarnation, but everything revealed about the person and work of Christ, we teach and preach and confess because eternal life depends upon it. And I've shared a story before of when two of us confronted a false prophet who was very popular Coming into town and getting big meetings, and just asked him, Who is Jesus Christ? What Christ are you preaching? And the guy became very angry and defensive. You're trying to crucify me. No, I want to know. You see, what did the Bible say? Be ready to give a reason for the hope within you. If somebody says to me, What Christ are you preaching? Oh, I thank you for asking. The very creator, the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate, the virgin-born son of God, the son of David, the one who fulfills the promises that are given, the one who did many miracles, the one who his own people rejected at Nazareth. The doctrine of Christ should be so weighty upon our lives and our hearts that we be ready and excited to tell the truth about who Jesus Christ is. And when the person becomes defensive, well, why are you asking that? And I've mentioned before, is isn't enough that you were born into a church where they made you swear that you believe the creed that they taught at 12 years old and then never preach it again. That happens too. We need to be those upon whom the weightiness of God's glory in Christ weighs upon us. So that means everything. By this we know. By this we know. Let's go to the next point. We want to know. What's the spirit of the world? What's the spirit? It's from God. This is Jesus giving a promise In John 15 26 and I have some more material to share about this here's what Jesus said when he spoke to his own disciples remember verse by the way in chapter 14 he said I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also if it were not so I would have told you I will come and bring you to myself and so they were very concerned. Don't go away. We, we Don't go away. No, you need me to go away. He came to die for sins and to go and prepare a place. There's more details, but that at least we need to know. Now let's read this. John fifteen twenty six. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me now john wrote this first john how do you know the spirit from god testifies about christ it was promised in john 15:26 he will testify about me what's the word testify arturio as a noun confess testify The Roman Empire knew that true Christians wouldn't deny Christ, so they tried to force them to, to see if they were really Christians. Deny Christ, curse Christ, and swear by the genius of Caesar. No thanks. Okay, that's a Christian. Go ahead and kill them. That was from church history. He will testify about me. How do you know it's the Spirit of God? Because somebody made a claim? Because they have a big meeting, because they shout, because they have a charismatic personality, or they claim to have gifts, or they claim to have revelations from God. The rest of us humdrum, boring Christians don't have. They're more pious, they're more powerful, they're more everything anybody would want in this world, or do they testify about Christ? That's the test. And it holds true. One time I printed this. I'm not just proving that I can read small print. I have help. I just, one time we did a faith at risk seminar. The group I was with at the time was right here in this building. How to discern a true work of the spirit. And there were. uh, Three to the. Slides, slides, slides. But here's the passages, 1 John 4, 1 and 2, 1 John 4, 3 and 5. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, we're covering these. Therefore, I be known to you. One speaking by the Spirit of God says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. 1 John 12, 3, that's, excuse me, 1 Corinthians twelve three. It's a consistent theme, Revelation nineteen ten. 1 Peter 1, so on and so forth, again and again and again. CICministry.org, the center column, there's a video, How to Discern a True Work of the Spirit. That still holds. That still holds. This is about discernment. In John 16, 8, notice what it says. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Why would that be important? Why is it important that the Holy Spirit convicts the world? By the way, helper, paracletos, means paraclete or one called alongside to help to help here speaking of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. The word convict let go which in this context means to convict, to show to be wrong. A while back, many people pointed out that the gospel that's commonly taught doesn't convict anybody. Raise your hand, sign a card, and you're going to have a better life, and you'll be very happy. But that's not being convicted. If we don't know why we need salvation... We might think salvation is being saved from a lack of happiness, a lack of money, a lack of whatever, belonging to a group or whatever. But the conviction comes from the Holy Spirit when we hear the message preached, commanding us to turn to Christ. God convicts those who listen. And they know that happened to me. I was a vile... Angry enemy of Christ and in one moment. I knew that if I didn't listen, I would end up in hell Which I previously didn't believe Existed but within a moment. I knew it did and that's where I would go and Rightly, so if I didn't turn to Christ That's an act of God's mercy That's an act of God's mercy. What about you? Are you hoping in this world? Are you hoping in Christ. And let go, which means to convict, to show that we're wrong. How many sinners think they're wrong? Or we think, well, I got it figured out. I know how to solve this. I can take care of it. No, it won't work. Here's what Peter preached. Acts two, thirty-six thirty seven. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I guess he forgot to go to the school of church growth. People don't want to be told they're sinners. Let's read on. Acts two thirty seven. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Not everyone, but the ones who became the church. Acts 2.42, the beads of grace. They were pierced to the heart. I was. How are you going to be pierced to the heart if you don't preach the truth about Christ and the guilt of sin and coming judgment? That's how we know. And they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? You know the answer. Repent. Turn to Christ. Throughout Acts, turn. Trust in him. Believe in him. But Peter gave proof from Scripture. Let's go to the next slide. Two more to go. I want to talk about Jesus praying for his own. In John 17 there's a um, prayer that Jesus gives for his own. It's rightly called his high priestly prayer. Lately, I've been emphasizing the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of every believer. We started a series on that. There being podcasts or critical issues commentary in in our uh, radio But if we're going to teach the priesthood of every believer, we also need to teach the high priesthood of Christ. There's no priest between us and God other than the one high priest, God the Son, who intercedes for us. The world's religions, including the ones who call themselves Christian, always put somebody between us and God other than the one mediator between God and God. Also, God, the man, Christ Jesus. And so if we're going to teach the priesthood of every believer as taught in Scripture. We need to also understand the high priestly ministry of Christ. Let's read part of this prayer that Jesus uttered for his own people, I, his disciples, and by extension, all of us who believe. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you, praying to the Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. That's the correct translation. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. How will God sanctify for himself a people? Is he going to tell them, try this, do that, say this, jump through this hoop, join this religion, show up, work hard, do more, and then when you don't make it, get Mary to pray for you? No. Or get somebody else to try to help you after you already died? No. We are going to be brought safely to God by the work of grace that saved us. How many false religions? The other day I was... Uh, flipped, turned on the TV a couple weeks ago. I was going to come to church, and here's a false teacher using false logic. Say, give me a $1,000. And then that's your uh, seed. And then so people all around the world have evidently felt for it. Gave him a $1,000. Well, then all those people, here's a testimony. I gave the preacher $1,000, and then later I got a favorable ruling, and my debt was wiped out, which she wasn't going to pay anyhow. See, there's proof. No. No, no, no. The proof is that you confess Christ. I didn't hear anything about that. Who is the great high priest over the house of God? Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. In God's providence, I was working on a sermon. Someone called, who had been trying to get a hold of me, evidently uh, th- wasn't able to find the source of, of an article I'd written. And I said, okay, I'm re- working on this. I talked to the person. And this was what I was working on it. It helps a lot of people because it doesn't point to us, it points to Christ. Let me read it. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. This is for you, dear ones who believe in Christ. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence, parousia, boldness. Let us draw near with boldness or confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. In time of need, literally, just in time. How many of you who have cast your cares on Him and trusted in Jesus realize that the fears and the worries, I know I have to say that, the things I didn't think I could handle, the things that seemed too hard, the things that seemed insurmountable, that would weigh us down and make us doubt that we were ever a Christian, that our sins are forgiven. But God gets us to the right place at the right time. Assurance of salvation. Eternal life. Notice the irony here. Draw with confidence to the throne of grace. Sinners who are convicted are lacking any confidence because now we know we deserve worse than what we've already gotten if we're still alive. Only mercy could ever give us hope for eternal life. And religious people set up these hierarchies, portray themselves as the special ones, and suggest that if we give them our money, then some miracle might come our way but that's not how Jesus Christ takes care of us he's already paid to debt once for all he's already shed his blood once for all and those who trust in him and believe in him rejected by family the world even Christians who are only nominally Christian but are accepted by God into his family They have a great high priest over the house of God. And if we draw near with boldness, the only reason for boldness is the blood of Jesus is shed once for all. The high priest in Israel had to keep going back again and again with fear and trembling, bells and whistles and smells and incense and go in there and hope that you're not struck dead in the holiest place. Pour out the blood of bulls. The author of Hebrews says, shed them again, they shed it again and again and again. May not do any good. Has to be done again. Has to be done again. Once for all. The blood was shed once for all. The boldness is is only there because in our time of need, we've lost loved ones. We've lost our friends. We're facing difficulties. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. We may be used to well, I'm going to go get on a plane. That's the one I'm thinking of. may not ever happen because this didn't happen, that didn't happen. might be, but we have access to the throne of grace and never will that be stopped because the plane didn't leave. I'm preaching to myself because he's already done it. He's given us access, timely help. Therefore, he's able to save forever. Verse 25. Hebrews 7.25. Excuse me. I went to another verse. Just jot it down. He's able to save for a while. No. Hebrews 7.25. He's able to save into the ages forever those who draw near to God through him. Why? He always lives to make intercession for them. Dear ones, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is there anything more comforting than he lives to make intercession for you? If there how can any sinner, religious leader, or anybody else give us more comfort than the risen Exalted Lord, who sits at the right hand of God, who prays for us, He's already paid it all. Well, one more verse from Hebrews, and we'll go to our last slide. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself. Hebrews nine twenty four. Notice Hebrews nine twenty four. Now, to appear in the presence of God for us. If you don't have the right doctrine of Christ, you don't have the right Christ. You have a false Christ, an antichrist, a deceptive Christ, a Christ that's of this world. But if you have the true Christ of the Bible and you believe in him, and he's the one who saved, he appears in the presence of God for us. We don't need a religion. We need a Savior. He did it. Now we want to finish with another passage. It's our last slide. Romans eight twenty thirty two 32 to thir- excuse me, Romans eight thirty two to thirty four. I found this one because I ran a search for the Greek word charizomai, graced, and lo and behold landed me right in Romans 8 which is a good place to be and in that section here which I put on the slide for you we also have wouldn't you know it intercession for us do you believe that you need a savior who intercedes for you you see in the movies people feel guilty they go in and Father, I've sinned. Go say so many whatever. I've never been a Catholic, so I don't know. But uh, I just quit going to church. What good is that going to do? But if Christ intercedes for us, He already paid the price. He's the one who's advocating on our behalf, and so is the Holy Spirit. Let me read that: Romans eight thirty two and thirty four. But He who did not spare His own Son, the Father who delivered him over for us all, that is believers, how will he not also with him, here's our word, freely give, highlighted in red on that slide, charizomai is the root of that, he he will grace to us all things. Who will bring a charge against God's elect as believers? Who will bring the charge? It's a rhetorical question. What's the implied answer? No one. God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? No one can do it legitimately. You might get, get be condemned in this world, but you'll not be condemned when it really matters, before God's throne on the day when it really matters will be justified. God is the one who justifies, who condemns. Then it says, Christ Jesus is he who died Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God there, Psalm 110, verse 1, who also intercedes for us. If that doesn't give us confidence and hope, we're sure not going to get it from the world. We're not going to get through meditation. We're not going to get through Eastern religion. We're not going to get it through works. We're not going to get it through anything only through Christ. Let me add to that, if you want to go back a bit before it, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself, notice the deity of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That that doesn't mean, well, i got to make myself groan by self-flagellation. The Holy Spirit will take care of things that we don't even know we need. We don't know how to pray as we are, but the Spirit who saved us and indwells us, saved us out of the world, intercedes for us. Groaning too deep for words. Verse 27. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Dear ones, if you don't know how you should pray, we don't a lot of sorrows right now, a lot of suffering, lost loved ones, fears, difficulties, confusion. It's all true. But he intercedes for us. Think about that. If Christ at the right hand of God intercedes for us, God didn't spare his own son. He sent the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. And he gives us access to the throne of grace so that we don't have to figure out the best way to say it because he loves us and if we know Christ and we simply say, Dear Lord help me, I'm I'm in hurt, I'm in sorrow. I need you. I need wisdom. Doesn't mean you hear a voice, you know what wisdom is, but you're confessing that only God can give you the wisdom you need. I mean I'll be the only one that's in that state right now, but I think a lot of people are. We need him. We need him. God has graced eternal salvation. Let's close with prayer. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your love, and providing for us things that we would never knew we even needed. And as we've lost people dear to us and there's uncertainty we know that you've said I'll never leave you or forsake you we thank you for taking care of us we don't deserve any of this thank you lord i pray for everyone that you'd keep us safe you keep our hearts attuned to the truth and that we be not listened to the world but listen to you help us lord believe and apply these things and pray for the protection of everyone In these perilous times, we give you the glory and honor through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.